can't get enough tabletop role-playing game zines? Subscribe to Broke Games Patreon to get a new print or digital role-playing game zine every month. Our zines are filled with modular dungeons, wild magic items, unique procedures, and inspiring spark tables. This month's zine takes place in a floating goblin fortress torn by competing factions. Will you support the Goblin King, join the Resistance, or restore the tunnels to their creator, the Grub Mother? Play Gabico, the Floating Goblin Fortress, to find out. Subscribe at patreon.com slash games or buy direct at brokehoodgames.com. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And my guest today is, is Stephen Chennault from Troll Lord Games. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, I'll start this off. If you don't, if you're not familiar with Troll Lord Games, their, uh, their flagship game is Castles and Crusades. And I've ran it a lot, and you've probably heard me talk about it here on the podcast here and there. I'd like to know, ask maybe a few questions because I know that this game's been around for like 20 years now, correct? About 16 years, yeah. 16. In 2004, we debuted at Gen Con of 04 with the white box set. So, so I under, from what I understand, Troll Lord Publishing early on in had some relationship with and published some books from Gary himself. Yeah, I can give you the I can give you the quick the quick history of Troll Lord Games if you want me to. But I would I I I had a, I was I was told I have a question I have to ask you from one of our one of the other fellows in the podcast. <laughs> but go for it. Yeah, the quick history would be great. A lot of our some of our listeners may be familiar with Troll Lord, and some might not be. Well, I'll keep it abbreviated. Uh, the Wikipedia page does not do it justice. It drives me crazy. We tried to add stuff to that thing for years, but haven't managed to do it. Uh, so we founded in 1999. There was three of us, uh, Matt Golden, Davis Chenault, and my brother, I mean, and myself. Uh, we created uh, Troller Games in 1999. We debuted at Gen Con of 2000 with four, four books, three adventures, and one world setting, the world of Eric. It's called the After Winter Dark campaign setting. Uh, and these we had done, we had created our own game called Sword and Sorcery, I think it was maybe swords and sorcery. I can't remember one of those two. Uh, and it was very D20 like it was very, very much like what was coming because uh, D20 hadn't actually released yet. So we wanted to make something that was familiar with, you know, the, the game that was fixing to roll out at that Gen Con or the next, I can't remember. I think it was that Gen Con it released D- 3.0 uh, Dungeons Dragons 3.0. So we got picked up by a distributor there uh, and immediately started putting stuff into distribution, which was fantastic. That was uh, James Mishler picked us up over from uh, ACD. Uh, and then we started publishing. Suddenly we found ourselves with a publishing company uh, and we didn't really plan it that way. We kind of thought maybe, but we didn't really know. Uh, and then I think maybe three months later, Matt Golden said, hey, man, reach out to Gary Gygax and see if we can't publish some books by, by his. And it turns out he had dropped all our books off at Gary's booth. They're at uh, Gen Con 2000, and Gary responded almost immediately with this very nice email. Said he read them, he really enjoyed them, blah, blah, blah. We got to talking, and within a few months, we had signed Gary Gygax, and we became his primary publisher. And we published Gary from 2000 until he passed away in 2008. I don't know how many titles we did of his, probably 30, 35 books by Gary. A whole lot of stuff come out. It's really good content, too. 
That license was pulled from us in 2008 by his wife after he passed away. But in the meantime, D20 was booming. And then about 03, 04, a good friend of mine, John Nephew over at Atlas Games, I remember he came up to me at, at one of the trade shows in Vegas. He said, you know, this is going to end, right? And brand new to business. I didn't know what he was talking about. He goes, this is, this is the D20 glut is, is hit and it's, we're fixed to see a, a collapse in the D20 market. Uh, so I started planning. I started thinking we got to do something else, you know, because John's smart. This guy's smart. Listen to him. When, <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart. <laughs> yes. When a smart person tells you to do something, you probably should do it. Uh, so uh, so I, I started thinking, and Mac and Davis had been wanting to design a game. So they started putting uh, Castles and Crusades together. We worked a little bit. Gary had some uh, input into the game. He, it, since he kind of had to line up with what some of the projects we were doing with him. So that was his input to it. But what we ended up doing was making an extraordinarily streamlined role-playing game. Very simple, very easy to play. Cause that's how I play. I, I, you noticed last night, I try to just do things fast and, you know, keep things moving. So the game, I didn't do the designing of the mechanics. That was not me. I'm not a game designer. <laughs> I can write all day long, create, you know, background and setting and, and world building, but I can't do game mechanics. It bores crap out of me. So the game had to be very, very simple, uh, and they did it. And, and in 04, we released a little bitty white box set, and in 05, we released the Player's Handbook. Uh, and after that, it's just been rolling out ever since. And our primary, Gary passed in 08. We lost that license. We focused on uh, Castles and Crusades, and now we do a whole bunch of stuff like Amazing Adventure, Star Siege, a whole bunch of other RPGs. And in the, on that long road, we've dabbled with dice games and card games and other stuff, but I think we did one board game at one point, but primarily focused on RPGs. That's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I know that John, the, one of the other uh, fellows in my Graham group, told me told me to ask you about Castle Zygag I, specifically. I, and I, I'm assuming that that license, like, like being able to put out any further Castle Zygag stuff is not going to... Am I pronouncing it right? <laughs> I always... yeah. Yeah, Castle Zagging. Yeah, it's a it's an anagram of Gary's last name, um, and yeah, that so, man, it, it's it's one of those sad tales. We worked. He worked on that thing. This is for those who don't know. Castle Zagging is Gary Gygax's gigantic mega dungeon that he had created through the 1970s and the 1980s, and that's where he played a lot of games. Blah blah blah, and it's become legendary. It was Castle Greyhawk, and when he was part of TSR, of course, he couldn't use Greyhawk once TSR. He lost TSR, but. Uh, so he changed the name to Castle Zagig. So we published, so he'd been working on this off and on forever. And once the Castles and Crusades game came out and he had a game system that he could play it with because he couldn't, it, very interestingly, he had created and we were publishing a game called Legendary Adventures. This is an RPG that Gary wrote and it was in our, in our stable right there with Castles and Crusades, but he would not do Castle Zagig as a Legendary Adventures uh, adventure because it was designed for it a D and D and he needed a game like D and D to put it down there. And CNC was that game. So he did what's called the Yigsburg setting book, which is, is, it's one of the best books we ever put out to this day. Uh, about 320 pages of setting content. It's, it's beautiful. The book's beautiful. Darlene, uh, the famous artist did the map for it. It's just a fantastic Absolutely. Do you have it over there? It's over there on the shelf. It's on. So the, that's third, that middle shelf there is, is CNC Troll Lord the top three shells? Shelf two is where go. most of the Gary stuff is with that. <laughs> that there you go. Is. So you, you know that's a beautiful shelf, by the way. That is awesome. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just a beautiful book. And then so, and the funny thing is, he he really enjoyed working on 
the setting material around the dungeon, but he really just kept dragging his feet on a dungeon. He just, he was so tired of creating dungeons that he didn't really want to do it. So he brought in Jeff Talanian, who now has a, who, a astonishing swordsman. Jeff's great guy. Fantastic. If you don't, yep. Jeff's over there too. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's actually right next to Castle Yard. Is that how I pronounce it? It's actually right Castle there. The yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So he brought Jeff in and some other writers and whatnot, but Jeff became his kind of lead on that. Um, so he and Jeff started writing the actual dungeons and we got the upper works. I think it's the first five levels of the dungeon done. Uh, and we were, he passed away in March of 08. We had this in the production line. We were laying the book out, doing art. So it was written and all of that business. Uh, and then Gail in August, uh, we were just, we were getting close to releasing it. And in August, she pulled the licenses. And I won't go into all of that, but that's another story in and of itself. But I asked her, I said, you know, we're, we're very, very close to getting Zagig out. Can we get at least one print of of Castle Zagig, the first five levels. And she she said, yes. So we did, man, it's been a long time, but I think we did 750 of those box sets. About 100 were damaged in transit. So there's probably only 650 to 700 out there, period. And we got those, and she pulled the license. Uh, so the other, it's minimally 12 levels, but I don't think he had... I don't think he had really ended it. I remember once in the production when he was still alive, I remember I, I put a press release out to 17 levels of Castle Zaggy coming to you, blah, blah. And he sent me an email. I'll dig it up one of these days. He sent me an email. Uh, very, very angry. Since when are you the lead designer on Castle Zaggy? When do you get to decide how many levels there are in there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was no. absolutely hilarious. And that was Gary's way of communicating. I mean, with when it came to business, he was not being an ass or, you know, an arrogant, anything. He was, it was really kind of tongue in cheek because, uh, I'm supposed to, by our contracts, I'm supposed to run everything by him. But we'd been working together for so long that I just, I just forgot. And <laughs> I just rolled it out. It was really funny. He, he cracked me up that way. But yeah, so we lost the licenses. So sadly, not any time in the near future that I know of uh, will we be putting anything like that out. I would, I would jump at the chance. Uh, if someone has Gail's ear, uh, you know, I would jump at the chance to, to revisit all of this stuff. Uh, I owe Gary that. Um, before he passed away, he asked me, he laid out a, a pretty serious publication schedule, and I promised to do some things. I'd had no idea that he was going to pass away. I, I In hindsight, I kind of think he may have known, uh, but I, I doubt even that. At any rate, uh, so, yeah, I would jump, I'd jump on that bandwagon, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't see it in the near future. So <laughs> That's excellent. I think that probably answers his question. <laughs> now let's let's talk castles and crusades because I'm a big CNC fan. I've ran it a lot. I went from A D and D for I, I played A D and D for years after third edition came out. So I was a little later on to the CNC game. I wasn't I didn't pick up uh right away when it came out. It took me some a few years to find my way there. I call it the Rosetta Stone of of fantasy role playing because I can use so many clones and so many older edition material with it. Like it's it's just easy to use everything with. And if you need to make conversions, I can do them in my head on the fly with most editions. Yes. It's funny you should say that because the tagline for CNC for about two years was the Rosetta Stone of RPG. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used that for a little while. I find out that a lot of people don't know what the Rosetta Stone is, so it didn't, oh, no, <laughs> it didn't that's work. Helpful. Yeah, it wasn't as helpful as we, as clever as we thought it was. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it is the Rosetta Stone in many ways because you're right. It, this, this, the Siege Engine is basically for those who don't know, it's an attribute check system that 
basically has primes and secondaries and I can explain that if you want, but uh, it, you basically almost everything that you're going to do that, there, that the CK requires and that's our DM requires you to make a check on, you're going to make an attribute check. And what that, because there's, you have class skills and race skills, but they're pretty limited. Everything else isn't a skill. So if you want to convince the bartender to do something, you make a charisma check. You want to, anyone can swim a river. You don't have to have a swim skill or feet or whatever your game system is. You, know, you just try to swim the river and the CK is going to put a challenge level on that. You make your role and add your level and add your whatever, your attribute bonus, and you, you cut across the river or you drown as the case may be, but <laughs> if you fail... But yeah, so that what and what that does is it creates this baseline for you as a player uh, to try anything you want. Anywhere, anywhere your imagination goes, you can give this a shot if you want to. I'm, I'm running these young guys and they're, they're forever trying to run up a wall and flip over, you know, like John Wick style <laughs> or whatever. Make a dex check. See if you can, you know, see if you can do that in your plate mail. And let's, let's see how well that goes. But, but you can you can give it a shot. But if you want like in the Castle Keeper's Guide, there's a whole section called advantages. If you want skills and feats and advantages and more, you know, hyper-focused abilities to give your characters this, that, and the other, all you have to do is give it an attribute check and you're, and you're golden. I mean, it takes almost nothing to take content from 5th edition, 3rd edition, DCC, you know, wherever, attach it to the Siege Engine and roll. Uh, it's like you said, it just takes seconds to convert in your head and you roll with it. Yeah, I, I've used like like a, a lot of my AD and D first and second editions, uh, monsters manuals and monsters compendiums at the table, just right there. And I, I like being able to use my old books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing is invalidated. You can <laughs> you can pull it off the shelf and roll with it. That's that's a useful thing. And as well as like it's easy enough to use third edition and Pathfinder stuff as well with it if you're yep. so inclined. Like it's it's just so versatile. It works well with other things. There is a little bit of, of knowledge you have to have of when to subtract to invert an armor class, which is pretty quick to pick up on. You're just going to subtract the number from like anywhere from a 19 to a 21. Usually about 20 is where I go in at. Yeah. Just real quick, it, that inverts the number and you're, you're good to go. You're golden. There, there's a little <laughs> bit of math with it, but you can, even, you can even dodge a lot of the math by making pushing it onto the characters. So <laughs> it, it's very easy. I will say this. So I'm not mathematically inclined at all. <laughs> I'm not a big, big numbers guy. I think I was when I was young, but um, I remember in the eighth grade, I was sitting there reading a Tarzan book. It's going to be 1980, 80, 1981, something like that. I was reading a Tarzan book in math class because I knew everything, right? It was easy <laughs> for me. And the teacher, Miss Calloway, said, uh, if you want to read, you're either going to pay attention to class or you're going to take your desk and that book out in the hallway and read it. So I picked my desk up and went out in the hallway and, and read it. <laughs> And the rest of the year was very bad for me. <laughs> it was a learning oh, moment for me. <laughs> but my math skills fell off at that point. And my reading skills went up, but, <laughs> but my math my math failed me. So so I'll say this about the Siege Engine. It takes maybe a game, maybe half a game, a couple of hours of playing it to kind of get it in your head how easy it is. Because it's deceptively easy. It's when we say challenge base plus challenge level equals challenge class it all sounds complicated but it really is not so if you take if you get the system if you dive into the system uh keep that in mind it takes yeah a couple two or three you know run throughs and then you've got it and it's it's easy as pie yeah my my players picked it up. i've ran a lot of new players and i've introduced a lot of people to a lot of different games and i've had a really good time an easy time 
introducing people to role playing through castles and crusades specifically because it's not as complicated as a lot of the other fantasy role playing games out there it is a lot easier to catch on to real quick and you can do just about anything with it and on top of that my players tend to prefer because we like older like retro clone games in our group a lot of players like it because there's a lot of character options when it comes to classes and stuff like that really um there's, compared to a lot of games yeah there's 24 i think the player's handbook has 13 there's another 14 in the adventures backpack and then you can easily take over amazing adventures but once more you could i will almost guarantee if i open a fifth edition player's handbook i could pull a class out and convert it to cnc in just a couple of minutes it would take almost nothing so you can port whatever class you're playing you just need to assign attributes to its skills and you're good and there's somewhere on the internet, this huge tome uh, floating around that was like fan based. That I, yes. I printed it out and put in a three ring binder. It's actually over there on my shelf. Huge. <laughs> it's it's the was it called the Crusaders Companion? Is that what it is? Companion or Compendium? I can't. One of those. I can't two. It's one. I think. Yeah. And it's got. And yeah, it's got a lot. How did that? Tons of monsters, classes, all kinds of stuff. There, it is a great, it's a great resource, and gives you if you and I think it's free. I, I, it's been yeah. so long since I've looked at that. You can just download it, and it's just filled with stuff. You can it's just tons of content, and it's good content. It's not just you know crazy stuff. It's it's lots like any class you can imagine that might not have been in the actual books is in this PDF, and I've had a few players play some classes from there in our games, and they worked out fine. We didn't have any issues with them. Yeah, it's when when the compendium started, it was done. Um, there was a pretty pretty dedicated crew of fans that got in, gamers I should say, uh, that got in. A lot of them were in the playtesting part of Castles and Crusades because we playtested it for about a year as we were putting it together. So a lot of these guys went to playtesting, so they kind of knew the direction the company was trying to go and the game was kind of go, and they got into the spirit of an old ad and like myself and Mac and Davis and, and clearly you. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that they, they kept the spirit of it, and they kind of managed the content so that it wasn't just, you know, all this wild stuff that, you know, doesn't quite fit. So it, it, yeah, it's a good book. Definitely. It's, it's, it's well worth looking at if you're getting into it. Now, if you're interested in checking out castles and crusades, one of the cool things is like all of the additions, like it's not, it's not additions like D and D where they change the game or like other games, Correct. like where they come out and like, Oh, now the rules have changed. Now you got to upgrade your books, all the stuff that you have for CNC, you can still use. Uh, could you expand on that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So part of the design philosophy behind Castles and Crusades, I remember reading um, early on, this is going to be 0102. I'm a big dragon fan. I collected most of the dragon magazines and I was reading through one. And this wasn't a conversation I had with Gary. We were working with him at a time, but I just read an editorial he wrote. I have no idea what dragon magazine this is in. I need to go find it out, <laughs> uh, figure that out. But uh, in the editorial, he talked about there would never be new. This is when AD&D is out. So Advanced Dungeons and Dragons has just been out a year or two. He writes his editorial and he says that there will never be additions. There will be, never be new editions of Advanced Dunge- of Dungeons and Dragons uh, because, and he goes on to explain the marketing behind it. You split your customer base and now you've got two customer bases and you have to support them both, which is, twice as expensive or you have to support one over the other and if you do that you abandon the one for the other and the whole thing made a lot of sense to me and when you read it you think oh this is a marketing this is some kind of you know evil marketing what it's not actually it's actually very loyal to the to the people who are purchasing your game 
because this means, I, and I did this with AD&D, I had the player's handbook that my brother bought in 1979 or 80 or whenever the damn thing came out. Uh, I had that player's handbook. I still have that player's handbook. And if I play AD&D, I pull that player's handbook out. So the game, though, they came out with nine or 10 or 11 printings of the player's handbook. It never changed. So as a fan of as a fan of the game and a player, I could keep playing it and fiercely loyal to TSR and all that. Now, once you start doing editions, you just you break up, you break that up. I never played second. I played third edition once. I never played fourth and I've yet to play fifth. I really need to play fifth because I hear it's I hear it's very close to AD&D is what is what I hear. But um, uh, so I took that I took that as a kind of a gaming philosophy. And Davis and Mac were 100 percent behind that. So. Uh, I, I, as I have said, so long as I'm at the helm of the company, there will never be additions of, of Castles and Crusades. Every printing that we've done, and we've done eight now, uh, we're on our, we just released the eighth printing last year. Uh, every printing that we do, will have editing, you know, any editing mistake we, we put in there, we fix that. Uh, the, the latest one is, I'm the most proud of the latest one. It's got a beautiful layout, the color hit just on all new arts, fantastic art. And we went the extra mile and put in just, just a ton of new art into it. And the art also one of the things I'm, I'm happiest about because the, the market has changed. So uh, we made sure that there's a female representation and a male representation of each of the races and each of the classes, which I think is really cool uh, to give this. There's a huge new wave of players that have been coming in for the past five, six years. Uh, and the whole demography of it has changed, which is fantastic. I absolutely love it. And I've, I've got to watch that, you know, unfold, which is really, really cool. Um, so this, this version of the player's handbook is I'm happiest with, but it hasn't essentially changed since the first printing the content the actual verbiage uh, we were playing just the other night and they were trying to cast hypnotic hypnotic something i don't know no hallucinatory terrain and they wanted it to be instantaneous and i thought okay this is they were going to do it and i really kind of messed up here because i i said well i just need a casting time on that and they looked up at the casting time and it said 10 rounds and it's like that's crazy no spell takes 10 rounds except that lightning thing the druids did and so we, I had Wilson go to the first printing because he's got one as my son. He's got one in his desk. He pulled the first printing out because we we're going to check it to see, you know, yeah. is it really 10 rounds? Is this what Mac, because Mac Golden did all the spells. Uh, is this uh, what Mac wrote? And it, it sure as shit, it said 10 rounds. I was like, ah! So they couldn't <laughs> cast it. I should have let them cast it. But uh, uh, it hadn't changed. The, the, you know, that content hadn't changed in 16 years of publication. Uh, that's one of the, the honestly that was one of the big drawing forces for me because i've been playing i've been playing i started playing role-playing games i don't i can't tell you some people tell me what year they started i, I don't remember I don't, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah i'm like uh it was the i was the late 80s for me i'm in my mid-40s so it was the late 80s when i started playing and um and i started with other games uh but but i got frustrated it, it felt like there was a new version of games coming out every week at a point. I was like, Oh no, again. Oh no, again. So I, <laughs> and especially when my kids were young, it's like, look, I've still got all these old AD and D books. I'm done yep. updating. I'm just going to yeah. keep playing this. So through the early 2000s, I did that. And I still, I, I, I dabbled in Pathfinder, but I, I found it a little, it had a lot to it. <laughs> it's, a run. Yeah, it's, it's a crunchy game. It is a it, crunchy it's, game. It's a fun one to play. It's not yes. for me to run, but so when I discovered Castle right. Crusade, actually Todd from Gateway Games is the person who really introduced me to it because we go to uh, this, this this little store here, Gateway Games, and the guy that runs it's Todd Bunn, and he's he's a good guy. 
and he's the, he always has castles and crusades and troll lord games on the shelf nice. i had been eyeing it and eyeing it and finally i was like i picked up a used player's handbook at first and i and i started flipping through that. i was like wow this is good like i like what they're doing here this is how i want to run a game and yeah we, we ran it we ran it for a few years there uh and and we were into it and actually we're going to be starting a new one up here this weekend Excellent. Uh, so I'm excited for that. So I've asked you about Gary and asked you about castles and crusades. I've got a few curveballs to throw you. There's All right, a, hurl away. There's a game that y'all have. I, I actually have an older copy of of it somewhere. So I think it's a little Uh-oh. different than now. <laughs> but the Star Siege. Uh, can I see something like that in print in the near future, possibly? <laughs> yeah. So we we uh, Star Siege. Do you have the box set of Star Siege? No, I got like a. I don't. It's like a almost like a pamphlet book. Star Siege. I'm not sure okay. what it was. I, I don't even know where to find it. It might be in with my modules. <laughs> so, so you, there, there was a quick start. So our Star Siege. Early on, we wanted to go the direction that um, Steve Jackson Games did with Gerbs, mm-hmm. which is create all of these genre you know, games around cast around the siege engine. The see if, if I didn't mention it, the siege engine is the attribute check system that, that drives castles and crusades. Uh, so we wanted to create uh, all of these genre games. We did a horror game. We did the science fiction game with star siege. And we did this really cool box set. Uh, Josh, Joseph, Josh, Josh tuning did it. Uh, great game designer though. He, he kind of skewed it off. He used the siege engine as, a, and his base, but he changed it some, so it wasn't completely compatible. Uh, fast forward a few years later, and the, the box set was cool. I really loved doing that. And it's there was I don't know how many we printed, maybe a thousand. Uh, so those those are. I saw one pop up on eBay the other day. It was kind of funny. But uh, so then we kind of let that die as other things kind of unfolded. Uh, Gary, we had a lot of we focused on Gary's material, and when Gary passed away, the, the company struggled quite a bit uh, in those days. So D twenty collapsed in in. 2005 and that that devastated our revenue streams and cnc hadn't quite caught on yet so we were struggling with cnc and then when gary passed away and we lost those licenses the company went through this kind of two-year you know very hazy shadowy trying to stay alive type thing. yeah <laughs> the, the rough years type thing uh but then once we kind of cruised out of that uh part of part of getting us out of that was bringing jason bay on board who uh, many of you who know Troll Lord knows he does amazing adventures, runs our fifth edition content, all kinds of stuff. Jason's worked with us for years. Great guy. Uh, he calls himself the redheaded stepchild of Troll Lord games because he, <laughs> he doesn't work on castles and crusades. He works on the other games. So <laughs> and Star Siege has landed in his uh, in his basket. So he revised it, brought it into, into line. His own his own game, Amazing Adventures, uh, is, a, is a multi-genre game that we sell uh, through uh, Troller Games, at, at Troller Games, and it uses the Siege engine. So he took Amazing Adventures as the core, and off of that, he recreated the Star Siege game, taking some elements from the old, but kind of retooling it. So it's very compatible with Castles and Crusades. So if you want to take your space shooting character and drop them in a fantasy environment, there's no problems. It's the same game, just different setting, uh, different classes or what have you, uh, and equipment list. So Star Siege, uh, we did, we released a quick start for it. And then we released the full book to a Kickstarter, uh, the Starship Warden Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, and about 400 people, I think, got those. And we haven't released it since. It is it is literally weekly discussing around here when we're going to roll this thing out. Uh, we were going to try to do it as a hardcover, but the print, the print times are so jammed up through supply chain distribution and all that mess uh, because of the, the shortages and everything. 
that we're probably going to soft cover and probably relatively soon. So we should have Star Siege rolling out relatively soon. I'll be excited to get a copy of it myself. I think I, th I think I have like the one I have with I don't even know where it fell on that line because it wasn't a box and it was like a I think it might be a quick start or something. But the probably the quick start is very different than what was later. We may have given that away too with the Amazing Adventures Five E. I'm not sure. We 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 gave them away. It may have been a free RPG day. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd have to dig. I'd have to dig to find it. Yeah. I, there were quite a few of the um, what are they called? The uh, these books that were put out under when Gary was there that were like world building books with his name yes. on. And from what I understand, there was a lot of other authors involved with those as well. Yeah. Um, so he, go ahead. Oh, I was curious if maybe some of that content might be able to be put back out without his name at all, because there's some good content in those. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the Gygaxian Fantasy World series you're talking about. And that actually, the first book we published by Gary was The Canting Crew. Uh, now, The Canting Crew was something that was very, he liked... So when I play fantasy games, I kind of land them in the medieval era. I, mm -hmm. I love the medieval era, you know, 900, you know, whatever. But he didn't. He liked the Renaissance era, 1500 or so. So the Canton crew is very, it kind of leans in that direction. And it's for thieves and rogues and whatnot. It is a fantastic book. If you get it, if you get a chance of getting it, it's very hard to get a hold of now. I have um, Excellent. That's good. That's good. You'll look. It's, it's our first it's our first big layout job. And I'm not real happy with the layout of that, of that book. It's good. It's very functional, but the, the fonts are kind of off and skewed a little bit, but that aside, it's a fantastic book. Uh, and then he did the world builder. Uh, Gary Gagas world builder was volume two. And that was with Dan cross. They co-wrote that together. Uh, Dan's a really good guy. Uh, and then he did living fantasy. Now, after, now living fantasy, I think is one of, if you get a chance and you may have that on your shelf, it is one of the, you don't have that one? I think that, I think, I have another one. It's it's purple. Is that living? Yeah, that's, I think that is living that's, fantasy. That's probably in set. Yeah, that's, yeah, that? yeah, yeah, that's living. I think that's living in fantasy. So I've got, the, I've got two of those. One's the canting crew, and then the other one has like a, st a stone. It's almost purple looking. It's right back there behind the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted to run over to my bookshelf and grab it and try to remember which the title, because I get the titles confused. Like, is, that, is that, that's, is, yeah, that's the one. That's the okay. one. I got that so one. living the two I have. I keep all of the world builders <laughs> in my desk here because I use them all of the time. Uh, so Living Fantasy was Gary's uh, kind of treatise, if you will, on how to merge uh, fantasy and a real world environments. Like where would your doctors be if you have clerics that can cure, you know, men to bones and stuff. So uh, it was, it's just a fantastic book. I think it's one of the best things he, he, he ever wrote. It's filled with, even if you don't agree with some of his outcomes and conclusions, it's filled with thought-provoking content. It's just really, really good. Living Fantasy is a great book, but it's it's more text-driven. It's not like we're building lots of charts and tables. Anyway, so he did. We did another five after that, and the other five he he oversaw. He edited because we were working on all of these at the same time. And as an author finished them, we'd roll them out. Uh, he had two more that he was working on when he passed away. But the five of the eight books, or is it seven, whatever it is, he wrote the he wrote two of them, co-wrote one, and the others were written by editors that he had hired and brought on board. Okay. Now, speaking of world building type books, some of the best world building books that are out there, I have to say, are are from Troll Lord right now. The Codex series that y'all have been putting out for quite a few years. We just actually we had the opportunity to talk to uh, Brian who 
who wrote those essentially. Yes. Um, and I'm assuming that like from what I, what we've heard and learned from talking to Brian is that there's going to be some more on the horizon. I'm curious what we can expect when and where those will come out. <laughs> yeah, we've got, I think we've done six now. Codex Egyptium was the last one. So Brian, he's got a pretty, pretty stellar background. He's got his PhD in Gaelic studies and he, he speaks Celtic and all of that. So, and his area of expertise was mythologies, you know, the, the Irish and Gaelic mythologies, all of that stuff, which is really cool. And that's why we brought him on. And the first book that he did was Codex Celtarum, which is this 250 page exploration and switching over with game content of the Celtic mythos. He, he's done Slavorum, Nordica, Germania, Classicum, uh, and Egyptium. So there's six of them out there. And now he has, he's turned over and it's in editing. I'm going to mess this. All of them have a Latin based name. So it's the Codex Scenarium, I think is it. And it's the Chinese mythologies that's in editing. And Peter Bradley, our artist is working on the cover and all the content in it. Uh, he has, I want to say he's finished the Korean one. I do not know the title of that one. It'll be Codex something Latin slash Korean. What Brian's going to do there. Uh, and then what did he, he told me he was working on the other one. I can't remember. There's a, oh, the Arthurian. A Japanese one. He's, and there's a Japanese, the Japanese one as well he yes. was talking about. Yeah. The Arthurian one I'm curious about because, well, that yes. didn't, that, that, uh, it seems like the Celtic one should have been its wheelhouse, but, but his, that's kind of his, his specialty is that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the Celtic <laughs> one, it's kind of an addendum to the Celtic one. He's turned over a lot of content on it. And one of some of the contents is huge adventure, which is really cool. Uh, but if you get into Keltarum, it's not, there's not that much. There's a little bit of Arthurian in it, but I think what he's, my guess is that he's got a huge amount of content <laughs> that he wants to roll it all out, which would be great, I think. Uh, so yeah, he's got three in the works and then a couple more that he's toying with. Yeah. And if you're, they're a lot like, just so the listeners know, if you remember back to second edition, they put out these green books that had more historical, like, like reality based information on running campaigns through historical periods There are a lot along those lines, really good, solid stuff. I, I strongly recommend checking it out. I'm a fan of the books. They worked out well. So we're about running up on time. Before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can find Troll Lord online and pick up y'all stuff and and whatnot? So we're 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 pretty much everywhere. We're I'm pretty heavy on Facebook uh, and Troll Lord Games is too, and I'm pretty pretty active on Twitter. So Facebook and Twitter, you can get our website is www.trolllord.com. We're running. Uh, we're on Twitch. We're running. I don't know. We're up to like six or seven shows a week now, and I've just started running a, a weekly game on Twitch. So you can find us on Twitch as well. But if you go into Instagram and TikTok, we're just we're just about everywhere. We're we just poke at all of the <laughs> social media. It's just a great place to interact with people. Yeah. And I know that some people love Twitter and some people love Facebook and some people love TikTok. I think that's. I really think that's cool. You can find the place that you're comfortable with, right? <laughs> and get your get your information and communicate. So we try to hit them all. Probably Instagram's one with the weakest on, uh, but you can find us on almost any social media anywhere. Uh, and then uh, the website has all of those links. If you go to the website, click the little circle at the upper left, it'll show you all kinds of stuff. And if you're, if you're interested, in, I should say real quick, if you're interested in CNC, you can download the player's handbook for free from the store. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to try to get to. <laughs> Check it out. You can read the book and see how you like it. And I'm going to put this out there. You don't need three core books to start running CNC. You need the Monsters and Treasure book, a Monsters and Treasure book, and a player's handbook. The Castle Keeper's Guide is, is a Castle Keeper instead of a Game Master or Dungeon Master. The Castle Keeper's right. Guide 
is kind of suggested material, like like adding to like supplemental things for the most part, correct? Yeah, it's like world building stuff. It's all kinds of stuff to expand the game you have. The, the dirty secret about Castles and Crusades, and Tim gets furious when I say this, uh, is you really just need the player's handbook. I use the player's handbook and the AD&D monster manual for like, I don't know, a year or so after release. <laughs> so you really, you should, you should go buy everything, but you really just need that player's handbook you can get, you can get going. And I do want to say the one you download is the seventh printing. Uh, the eighth printing has all the new art and this stuff that I'm so happy about. And there's a really cool, I, I know I said we're getting ready to close, but I want to, I want to hit up the covers, the new covers, that new monster manual cover yes. just came out. <laughs> yes. That thing is beautiful. It's uh, if you look at them, they're, they're tributes to the A, B and D uh, original covers, right? Yep. When we did the first one, Jason Walton did the first one. It turned out so cool. And I love the, I loved the old player's handbook cover and the old DMG, but I'm not a really nostalgic driven guy, but that cover looks so badass. I thought, well, this is, this is really cool. Uh, and it's got Jason does lots of detail. So it has a lot of detail in the equipment that they're carrying, you know, the, the Elvin, I think she's an archer. I can't remember on the front. And then the, the warrior that she's talking to and everybody behind. It's really great. Then he did the, so I asked him to do the CKG. And the CKG, when it came out, uh, and he did a really nice homage to the AD&D version, uh, the DMG from AD&D, that it, people went crazy with it. And everyone was like, well, you got to do the monster book now. And that monster book, I got to tell you, when I was a kid, it was my least favorite of those covers. <laughs> I did not like the AD&D monster book. I just didn't. And it was, I wasn't even going to do an homage to it, right? I just, I'm not, that's, I'm not doing that. But so many people asked for it. I shot Jason Nemo. I said, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And his just knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was just, and I, you know, I don't want to upset any of the AD&D guys out there because <laughs> I'm an old AD&D hound. I started in 75 or 76. So I've, I've played forever and I, I've played basically two role-playing games, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and Castles and Crusades. <laughs> and, yeah, it's so I'm a huge AD&D fan. I just wasn't a fan of that cover because it, it didn't make sense to me. There's a troll and a manacore and a roper and, What's going on here? <laughs> but, but Jason did a really good job knocking that one out. And that one has sold like crazy. I think people are just getting it for the cover. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'll be honest. I got the binder that came out recently. I got the new Monsters and Treasure with the expanded. I've got old copies of Monsters and Treasure. I did not need another one, but I got that cover. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is good. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We could use any support you can give us. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.